to the book of Jonah. We're going to be looking at chapter 3 this morning. Uh, We're finished with chapter 2 and moving on to chapter 3 from the gospel of Jonah, uh, verses 1 through 5. And then we're going to look at a couple passages in chapter 4 this morning in addition. And as you're turning, a brief recap. The word of the Lord comes to this prophet Jonah, uh, this man who has resumed and has experience with being a, a prophet uh, within the boundaries of Israel. And the word is this, arise, go to Nineveh. Um, the Lord was eager to show his grace and eager to extend his mercy to this rebellious and wicked nation. And Jonah didn't like that. Jonah had a problem with that. And so Jonah rebels against God. And, and what the scriptures reveal to us is this is not an uninformed, this is not an ignorant rebellion. This is a very informed rebellion. Jonah did not agree with the Lord, so he rebelled. He gets on a boat. He's supposed to be going northeast, and he goes southwest. And to reclaim his lost servant, to reclaim and restore his lost prophet, the Lord sends a number of things. The Lord appoints a, a few things. He appoints a storm, but Jonah sleeps. And then he appoints a whale. Remember, Jonah is so mad. He is so angry. He is so frustrated with the Lord's plan and the Lord's sovereignty. He tells, he tells these sailors, and he tells the Lord, I would rather die than obey. And so he's semi-conscious. He's in the water. He's at death's doorstep. And the Lord does something incredible. He sends his coast guard. He sends his holy navy in to rescue this rebel. And in the belly of the whale, Jonah is protected. He's rescued from the depths of the sea. And not only is he rescued from death, but he's spit out back upon dry land. And that's where we pick up in our story this morning. Just when we think the story couldn't go on, it does. It gets a little better. It gets a little richer in grace. Again, our passage this morning is Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5, and chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. This is God breathed. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah rose, and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Jonah was, excuse me, now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Chapter 4, verse 2. And he, being Jonah, prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, Abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Spirit, we have heard your truths already this morning, and now we humbly bow the knee and place ourselves not beside, but underneath the holy word. That supernatural word which is inexhaustible, which can grant life and can feed a hungry soul. Spirit, you tell us this word can be used for rebuking. 
Spirit, we have all gone down wrong paths, and for some of us, we don't know that we're still on it. So would you use this passage to correct us? Turn us around. Spirit, you tell us that the word will also correct us. And we have many idols. We bow to many things, things we see, and many more we don't. Spirit, cause our eyes to see. And Holy Spirit, you say this word will train us. It will teach us. None of us here have perfect understanding. None of us here have perfect holiness. We need to be instructed. We need to be directed in the right ways. Spirit, would you do that for us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was considering this week this idea of second chances, second tries. And as I was looking on the internet for stories and ideas, um, it was interesting, the common theme that popped up. When, when you talk about second tries and second chances, typically that idea revolves around people who've been in prison, or people who've been in jail. And when they've been released, they've been given a so-called second chance at life. Um, and I was encouraged by two things in, in my research over the past week. Um, two things. One, I, I was surprised and, and excited to see that if, if there's an individual who has you know, committed a certain crime and... Um, and is entering back into the real world, so to speak, there are a number of, of resources for people who fit into that category, a, a number of them. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of agencies, there's a lot of groups that are eager to help people get a second shot. I was also encouraged by this as well. Um, as they counsel and as they walk through, here's kind of what to expect on life on, on the outside uh, after, after you've been imprisoned. A, a lot of these agencies, a lot of these groups agreed. Which is kind of strange. Typically, you know, when you're asking for counsel from people, don't you get opposite counsel? Uh, but when I, was, when I was looking on the Internet, I was surprised at how many people actually agreed regarding the options of what you can and should do. As encouraging as those two things were, I was, however, and oppositely discouraged by this. As great as it is that there are resources for people who are coming out of prison, who are coming out of jail... And as consistent as some of those opinions are, I was discouraged to see that there aren't many options. There aren't many options for rebels. There aren't many options for ex-cons. And so coming out of prison, yes, you're given a second chance at life, but you know what? It really, if we're honest with ourselves, it doesn't really feel like a second chance, does it? It doesn't really feel like you're given a second shot at life. Here's what these agencies said. They said, if you, if you want a job... Here's basically what, what you can do. You can join the military. And, 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 and consider this. They even said, but there are some crimes, and, and if you've committed these particular crimes, that the military might not take you. But that's your first option is to join the military. The second option that they all agreed on was this. Um, become self-employed. Be an entrepreneur. Create your own business. Yard work. Um, create your own business. And, and for some of us, we just kind of go, not all of us have that gift. Man, that sounds incredibly difficult. The third option for people coming out of rebellion and for people coming out of jail was to go into the restaurant business, become a waiter, become a server, uh, work in a kitchen. Does that sound like a second chance to you? It sounds kind of discouraging, doesn't it? Well, that's our economy. That's our world. That's our kingdom. That's our plane. But what about the Lord's? What about God's kingdom? Does God offer second tries? Football players, you get four downs. You get four opportunities. Bowlers, you get another roll. You can pick up a spare. Golfers, you get a mulligan. What do you get in the kingdom of God? Is our God a God of second tries? I want to 
operate from this, this proposition this morning, this thesis, so to speak, is that our God, the God of Scriptures, is a God of second tries. He gives legitimate second tries. And, and what's more is not only is he going to give us second tries, but he, he wants to communicate this to us in this passage this morning. Rebels, you make great evangelists. Rebels make great evangelists. Uh, two things I want to interrogate this morning. First, with this idea of second chances and, and rebels and becoming great evangelists, is, is who gets a second chance? In God's economy, who gets a second shot? And then lastly, what does a second shot look like? What does a second chance in the kingdom of God look like? First, who gets a second chance? Okay, notice what kind of man is getting a do-over here. Look with me at verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Two things I want us to see this morning in regards to who gets a second shot. Those who haven't had it all together get a second shot. And those who still don't have it together get a second shot. That's very important for us to see this morning. And I want you to hear that. Those who haven't had it all together get a second shot. And those who still don't have it together, they don't have a second shot. Now remember, this is Jonah. And, and this is not an ignorant rebellion. Remember? He's, he's the staunch nationalist. He's the idolater. He's the hypocrite. He's the man who's supposed to be communicating the grace of God. And instead, he's withholding it from somebody else. He has a spiritual and extensive criminal record before the Lord. And yet, here in this passage, what do we read? The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. Those with criminal records get a second shot. But notice this too. And some of you, if you have some, some business background or business savvy, um, you know this principle, the, the law of diminishing returns, which means the more energy you spend on something... And the more capital and the more equity you use on something, you really want to see it pay off. We really haven't seen Jonah pay off yet, have we? Nothing Jonah has done has really been obedience, full-fledged obedience in the Lord. And if we're business savvy, we're just kind of going, okay, we, we know that the, the more resources you pour into someone who's rebellious and who's weak and who's not going to do it, man, this, this, this isn't making financial sense. You're pouring so much grace in this guy. Why are you giving this guy a second shot? Why is he getting a second shot? I don't think he's going to turn. But God is giving him a second try. Notice this as well. Last week we were in, in chapter 2 looking at Jonah's prayer. And as you look at Jonah's prayer, um, it, is, it is a rich prayer. It is a full prayer. Um, it, it is full of, of, of theological truth. Um, and it's eerie as you look at some of the wording and some of the phraseology in, in Jonah's prayer of how similar it is to prayers of, of David and Solomon in the Psalms. It's rich. It's, it's biblical. But did you notice something that was missing last week? As great as it was, as rich as it was, as true as it was, and as true as, as, as the, this truth is that faith raises you up, did you notice an omission? Now, when you're a little kid... And you do something wrong, all of our moms, I'm pretty sure all of them said this, is when you've done somebody, somebody wrong, what do you do? You say, I am sorry. Jonah doesn't do that. There is no repentance in his prayer. There is no confession. There is no admission of guilt. There is no, Lord, I was wrong. I blew it. I'm an idolater. I'm a hypocrite. I messed up. And guys, what we need to see here at this moment 
Jonah is still incomplete. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. God doesn't just come to those who have a criminal record. He comes to those who are still struggling. And what I believe this passage is doing, it's taking our concept of grace. It's taking our concept of of God's mercy and his posture towards us and flipping it on its head. Because don't we want to believe this? And this is what my flesh and this is what my heart and this is what my mind wants to believe so bad is that grace is the product of obedience. If I obey and if if I do well this week, somehow the Lord's smile will be wider and somehow his grip will be tighter Grace is a product of my obedience. If I obey, man, the Lord is going to bless me. And what we need to see in this passage, it's the exact opposite. Jonah hasn't had it all together. He's blown it. And Jonah is still a wreck. He's not there. He's not there yet. But the word of the Lord comes a second time. Our God is a God of second chances. He's not waiting for you to have it all together. He's offering grace. Now, I want to camp here for a minute uh, personally and ask ourselves some questions here. Perhaps there's someone in your life that you know, a family member, an employee, uh, someone you've known for a long time, and in your, in your mind, they can do no right. You've heard the expression in, for someone you love and someone you work with, they can do no wrong. They just got like the Midas touch. They're just very gifted, very, very righteous people. But there's some people in your life that you just go, man, it just seems like they can do no right. Everything they touch is just, just, just crumbles. They're, they're, they're coming out of a, of a bad relationship. Perhaps it's a divorce. And they're getting ready to go into another one. And you're just going, I know the law of diminishing returns. I have a pretty good guess at where this is going. <clears throat> but the point we need to wrestle with this this morning is if God is a God of second tries, to those who, who don't have a great record, and to those who still don't have it all together, and if the Lord is eager to show grace, shouldn't we? Are there some people that we need to take off the hook? Are there some people in your life and in your heart that you need to cut some slack? Probably. And maybe for some of you, that person is you. You've you've come in this morning and and without actually verbalizing it, your your chin is in your chest. And you're spiritually navel-gazing because you know you've blown it. We don't have to convince you of that. You've got something in your record. You've got something in your past just going, ah, like a fish out of water here. What you need to hear is what Jonah needed to hear at this stage in his life. God will come to you a second time. Our God is a God of second chances. You don't have it all together, neither do we. That's okay. Lift your chin, arise, and go, and cut yourself some slack. Okay, that's, that's who gets a second chance. I want to spend the rest of the morning talking about, okay, what what does this second chance look like? What does a legitimate second chance, a second try, given, declared by God, look like in a person's life? Um, And and there's three points to this. The first one is, it looks the same as before. The second try looks exactly like the first try. Look with me again at verse 2. Listen to the language. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. Do you see the similarity here? You remember what, was, um, what, what God declared in chapter 1, verse 1? Arise, Jonah, go to Nineveh, call out against it. Here, chapter 3, arise, Jonah, go to that city of Nineveh, call out against it. It's the exact same charge. Why is that important? Well, consider this. Uh, when I was a teenager, I learned how to barter. I learned how to negotiate in Mexico. I lived very, very close to the border uh, when I lived in Texas. 
And this is where I learned how to negotiate. We would cross the border, and they had numerous shops, numerous stores. And, and here's how it would work. You know, you would, you'd walk down the streets, and you'd interact with the, with the vendors. And you kind of had a list of what you wanted in your mind. And I was going for a pair of Folkleys. It's fake Oakleys. Folkleys. Okay, so I found a couple pairs that I liked. And, and what, you, what you're supposed to do when you bargain... And what you're supposed to do when you barter is, is you come up with the price in your own mind. So I thought, you know, for, for a couple pairs, I'll pay, I'll pay 15 bucks. Nothing more than that. Okay, and so you approach the table and say, you know, how much, uh, how much for the glasses? Uh, and the gentleman says, uh, well, well, two for 20. And then what you're supposed to do when you, when you barter and negotiate is say, well, I'll give you 15. That's my price. I'll, I'll, I'll give you 15. Uh, and they say, no, uh, no can do. And, and then what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to walk away. You're supposed to leave the table. And what they want to do is they want to see if you're really, if you're really interested. They want to know if, if that price is so set in your mind that you're willing to walk away from it. And so you're supposed to walk away. And typically what happens, sometimes it doesn't, but typically what would happen, at least in my childhood back in that day, was you know, after, after they saw you kind of visit a couple other, other stations, they would, they would come follow you and say, okay, okay, 15. You get 15. Um, let's, let's draw it into a more personal level here. Um, we have a lot of parents of, of young children in our church. Uh, and let's just presume hypothetically um, that, that your, your child is being rebellious. You've, you've asked your child, you know, hey, um, it, it's time to clean your room. The word of your mother has, has come down uh, and, and has spoken to you, and you must clean your room. For the first hour, the, the child kind of throws a fit. The room doesn't get clean. Okay, and you're starting to thinking, okay, per- persevere, I've got to hang tough here. Uh, the second hour goes by, and the child is getting exhausted because of, of, of the temper tantrum and because of the, the emotions that are being poured out. And then after the third hour, you start to second-guess yourself, don't you? Am, am I a dictator in my house? Am I being cruel to my child? Am I overdoing it? Am I being unreasonable? And, and what is your temptation? Isn't your temptation to, to go in the room, and the room is half clean, and you're going, it's been three hours. Okay, that's good enough. That's fine. We can finish it tomorrow. Isn't that your temptation? To change it, to change the command, be slightly more merciful. What we need to understand is God doesn't do that. You all see, regardless of, 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 of our, our bartering skills, regardless of our gifts in negotiation, regardless of, of, of how loud and how, and how extreme we can get with our rebellion against the Lord, that he is not manipulated, he is not to be negotiated with, God says, arise, Go to Nineveh. And God doesn't come back and say, okay, Jonah, you know what? <laughs> I think you've learned your lesson. You look tired. I'm tired. Surely there's another prophet in Israel that would do this. No, he says, arise. Go. God is not moved by our manipulation. God can't be changed. The second chance looks a lot like the first. You must arise and go. Uh, the second aspect of a second chance uh, comes without traditional conditions. It comes without traditional conditions. And what do I mean by that? Well, back when Paige and I moved here to Greenville, we, uh, we spent most of the day in DMV. And it was towards the end of the day, and they, had, uh, they were printing out our driver's license. And we were, we, that was the last thing we needed before we needed to go. And we were leaning up against the wall, and we're just talking and, and carrying on. And in the middle of the room, it's a, it's a big open room, there's a gentleman standing by, by himself. And he was standing by himself for a reason. It was summer and it was hot, so the gentleman had shorts on. And on his left ankle was a red light blinking. It was an ankle bracelet communicating this, that this man had a past. 
didn't know what it was, but he had a past. And that somebody was watching. Even though he was freed, even though he was given a second chance, Big Brother was watching. Step out of line, get off the path, and if that thing goes off, your second chance is over. Right? On our plane, in our economies, in our world, we have ankle bracelets, watch lists, registries, parole, probation, house arrest, scarlet letters. When people mess up, we're just going, that's strike two. Man, we're going to keep our eye on you. Is that what's happening here in Jonah's second chance? Notice, notice Jonah gets a second shot without any conditions. Listen, verse 1 and verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time saying, Arise. And go to Nineveh. No house arrest. No parole. No removal from this obligation. Just Jonah. You need a second shot. Arise. Go. I believe that's what some of us need to hear this morning. You've walked in and you've got a spiritual ankle bracelet on. You feel like you're a spiritual beating. Because you're coming from a broken marriage. That perhaps you broke. Or you have a past. And friends, what you need to hear from the Lord this morning is the same thing Jonah needed to hear. Arise and go. Does that not encourage you? No conditions here. No, yes, Jonah, you go, but hey, clear the room. But Jonah, let's have a little heart-to-heart, you and me here. I'm watching you, you and me. No, Jonah, what you need is you need to arise and go. Friends, brothers, sisters, some of you all need to hear that. Arise Go, put your guilt and your fears and your shame aside. Our God is a God of second chances and second tries. Rebels make great evangelists. (laughs) They do. Lastly, a second chance is the same as before. It comes without traditional conditions. And second chances come without full commitment. Okay, what do I mean by by full commitment? Look with me first at verse 3. This is what we've been waiting on. This is what we've waited through two chapters of Jonah's rebellion and frustration to get to. Verse 3, so Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Last week we raised our hands and said, finally Jonah prays. But now we say even louder with greater joy, finally Jonah obeys. Finally. Jonah arises and he goes to Nineveh and he preaches And and in very few words, it's eight words in English, it's actually less in the Hebrew, we have one of the greatest mass conversions in Scripture. And so we're tempted to think, ah, Jonah's done. He's finally, he's there. He's made it. Jonah now understands grace. Jonah now understands repentance. Jonah now is a changed man. You know that sound a balloon makes when you let it go after you filled it with air? This is the sound this passage is making. Look with me at verse 4, beginning in verse 2. And notice the air coming out of the balloon. And this is what Jonah says to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my own country? That's why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you're a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Therefore, now, Lord, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. The balloon's been let go. We see obedience, right, in Jonah. But it's a reluctant obedience, isn't it? 
This is not a passionate obedience. This is not a God. This is because of what you've done for me out of a sense of repentance, out of a sense of who I am, and you've saved me. Now I'm going to go be an agent for you. It's reluctant. And while on the surface that might appear slightly discouraging, here's, here's why it should, discourage, it should encourage us. Even now, even in Jonah's life, the Lord is gracious. Even now in Jonah's life, the Lord is merciful. Even now in the midst of, of even just on the surface obedience, reluctant obedience, God is going to be gracious to Jonah. Even in the light of reluctant obedience. Something God never promises in the scriptures is, is complete understanding. Never will we understand exactly why God has done what he's done and why he commands us to do what he commands. But don't we want to know? Don't we, don't we on the front end of sometimes of God's commands, we, we qualify it? You know, before I, I fund something, before I put my money where my mouth is, I, I want to know where it's going. Right? And God says, no, obey. Obedience precedes understanding. In the scriptures, obedience always precedes understanding. But don't you want to understand before you obey? That's not how God's economy works. You obey. And you may understand later, and then you'll see how good God is and how merciful he is. God can use reluctant obedience. It's okay if you're not there yet. Some of you are standing before a decision that's, that's pretty heavy. Uh, you're standing before a command of God that has got you shaking in your boots and you're, you're spiritually sweating on the inside going, I need to obey, but I don't understand why I should. Did you know the Lord understands that? Jonah embodies that. Obedience precedes understanding. Obey and watch the Lord work as he did in Jonah's life. I want to close with this. Uh, put on my, my, my cynical you know, postmodern hat, as I was reading through this passage, you're going, okay, what questions, you know, would a doubter, what questions would, would a cynic ask of this passage? And here's one I, I came up with, is, you know, hey, yay for Jonah. You know, Jonah gets this audible word from the Lord. Jonah gets this, this voice from heaven saying, Jonah, hey, you get a second shot. I'm giving you a second go. And, and I'm thinking in my mind, and you might be thinking in yours, well, if I had something like that, if I had something as clear, and if I had something as visual, and if I had something as illustrative of that, I'm, I may do that. I may give it a second shot. I may believe the guy. And I want to suggest the good news for us this morning is that we do get a second shot. Um, the words will come from my mouth. They were written by an apostle, but they're from the, they're from the very heart of God. And listen as this apostle is able to summarize just in a few short verses the story of mankind and the story of a great second chance. And that second chance comes not in the form of a word, but it comes in the form of a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. Listen to what Paul says to the church in Ephesus in chapter 2. He's saying this, We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, like Adam and Eve, like Jonah. We rebelled against God. This is what he says. He says, but God, but God, rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with whom? He made us alive together with Jesus Christ. 
It is by grace you've been saved and been raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There's some people in scripture that never got a second shot. Remember Lot's wife. She's climbing in the hill and they said, don't turn around. Do not look at Sodom and Gomorrah as it's being destroyed. And what did Lot's wife do? She turned around. No second shot. She got a pillar of salt. Moses, the Lord said, speak to the ground and the water will come forth. What did he do? He took his staff and he beat, this, he beat the rock. He beat it twice. And God said, Moses, you don't get to go into the promised land. Some people don't get second shots. But friends, if you are here this morning, and if you are hearing the words coming out of my mouth, written by Paul, ordained by God for you to hear, behold your second chance. It's why the angels... When Jesus was born, they screamed in a moment of praise and worship, Behold, now let there be peace on earth between whom? Between man and man? No, Scripture never promises that. But he says peace between man and God. You want a second shot? You want another shot at life? Here's the good news. The Father says, yes. I'm a God of second tries, and to people who don't have it all together, look to the manger, look to the cross, look to the heavenly places. My second chance comes in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. Believe, rest upon him, let him be your righteousness, let him be your obedience. And if you do that, and if you rest in him, we will be reconciled. The scripture never promises that the relationships that we have on this earth will ever be repaired in this life. Some of us will go to our grave still disconnected from family members, from loved ones. The gospel never promises that, but the gospel does promise this. You want to be reconciled with the Father? You want to be reconciled with the creator of, of the earth? You want to be in his favor again? Look to the sun, brothers and sisters. Arise. Go. Flee to Jesus. There's your second chance. Let's pray. Father, if my, my friends are like me, we'll, we'll go home and, and eat lunch and all have already forgotten your great grace, what you've done on behalf of, of your people. Father, sometimes we're shocked at those who don't get a second chance, but you've been gracious and you have offered your hearers, your people, a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. And, and Father, forgive us for taking that for granted. Strengthen us against it, I pray. Cause us to remember, help us not to rest until we find our rest in your son, our great second chance, Jesus Christ. Amen.